to the why behind the what, where the what can start a conversation, but the why can open up one's soul. My name is Nathan Albert, and as always, I'm so glad you are listening to this podcast today. This season, we are discovering the divine all around us, seeing the spiritual in everything, and hopefully being surprised by the sacred. For a season I lived in Rhode Island, I am proof that that little, tiny state does actually exist. It's real. It's nicknamed the Ocean State because you can get to the ocean or the bay in about 20 minutes, no matter where you find yourself in that place. Something I discovered while living in this incredibly small but mighty state was sea glass. I've kind of become obsessed with it. Searching for it was one of my favorite hobbies while I lived there. I even developed a sea glass searching position with my hands behind my back. I would hunch over at the waist to get the best possible view for finding these small pieces of glass. Now, sea glass is beautifully frosted and weathered glass that washes up on the beach. It's completely smooth to the touch. It's usually hidden within piles of rocks and shells. And if you look closely, you can usually see it because the sun reflects off it differently than it does the shells and the sand or the seaweed. Now, being originally from the Chicago area, I have a completely different understanding of glass on the beach. Around Lake Michigan, you don't usually collect glass that you find on those beaches. It's not pretty. It's not frosted. It's not smooth. It'll cut you, possibly infect you with something. So finding such soft and smooth glass for me was, was mesmerizing. Now, most sea glass is decades old. Depending on the color, some of them can be over 100 years old. The most common is, is brown, white, green, usually beer bottles that somehow are thrown into the ocean and then frosted. Yet the most rare colors are red, black, blue, and purple. Often these bottles were, some of them from the 1800s. They were bottles that contained medicine or poison or alcohol. And in all my searching, I've, I've only found two small red pieces, a couple of big purple pieces, and one black piece. They're stunning. Now, sea glass is collectible. I keep mine in my jar and bowls as decor around my office and, and my house. Many other people turn it into jewelry, such as earrings or necklaces, art pieces. But there's something about the search that I love. In a way, it's like treasure hunting. You're always on the look for a piece. It's all about finding that most rare color. You're, you're looking for that one small speck of red. You've trained your eye to look for it. Yet even more than that, what I love is how sea glass is made. Before it becomes frosted and smooth, it's broken glass. It can cut you, hurt you, wound you, make you bleed. It's from what is broken. It's broken bottles and garbage, litter, that ends up in the ocean. Yet over time, decades even, the, the sand and the salt rub over the glass until it becomes incredibly smooth, frosted, no longer with any rough edges. It's become something new. It can't cut you. It can't harm you. It can't draw blood. Instead, it's a treasure, something collectible, something that fits in your pocket. For me, sea glass has become this great symbol of the religious and spiritual life. The divine is taking what's broken, what's forgotten and hurt, what can cut and wound, and somehow making it brand new. With endless waves of love and grace and compassion and mercy and justice washing over all brokenness and all our faults until we are made smooth and until all things are made new. I think this is happening to us on a personal level. As we pursue the spiritual path, we incorporate our spiritual practices as we pray and communicate with 
the divine, as we wrestle with our true and false self, we are being made new. And yet this is happening on a relational level. As we walk the spiritual path, we see humanity with eyes of compassion and love. That diversity is what unites us and we can pursue the good of the other, for in them we see the image of the divine. And it's happening on a cosmic level. The spiritual life that I pursue teaches that there will be a day when there will be no more war and no more disease, no more death, that lions and lambs will lie down together. Kids will play near the lair of snakes without the fear of being bitten, and all instruments of war will be turned into gardening tools. All things will be made new. I'm not sure how this resonates with you. Maybe you find yourself as a piece of broken glass, or you've been wounded by others, abandoned and lost. Perhaps you have uh, have been cut and wounded others. Maybe you feel lost at sea, drifting in the waves, waves as if nothing is going your way. But I do hope you hear the good news, that love, compassion, mercy, kindness, grace are washing over you, smoothing things out, making all things new, and turning you into a wonderful masterpiece, a one-of-a-kind creation worthy of love and all good things. And I hope you know there is a divine presence, a mystical and ultimate reality in which you can not only call home, but is working to make all things right, true, just, equitable, and good, turning what has harmed many into something of infinite worth and value. If you're able, go find a piece of sea glass. Keep it in your pocket as a reminder of this beautiful and mystical reality. Friends, thanks so much for listening to the Why Behind the What. If you enjoyed this podcast, please, can you rate and review it on Apple Podcasts? That's a huge help to me. Also, share this episode in your social media circles. It gets more people to listen. As always, this podcast is written, recorded, and edited on Monacan Land. And until next time, may you have peace. May you have calm. May you have happiness.